Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello there, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I am so excited to bring you today's interview. We are talking to Jess from Jess Diverges Coaching, and they are talking to us all about the terms autogender and neuroqueer. And if you've never heard those before, tune in because you might have a reckoning coming. Hey there, Jess. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so pumped for this conversation. Um, so before we dive into everything, why don't you just let the listeners know a little bit about you? Yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm Jess. Uh, my pronouns are she, they. It's fun. You get to pick. I am an ADHD and autistic life coach for neurodivergent adults. So I do one-on-one coaching and I help my clients with things like time management, motivation, interpersonal relationships, self-understanding, and identifying their own strengths and support needs. I focus on adjusting my clients' environments rather than changing my clients themselves, um, because in my experience, doing things like making things physically easier to do or even just putting them in a different order can be enough to help us get our work done. I've also just created a small group program, which is currently in its testing stages, and I'm very excited about it. Um, I wanted to create a program to teach mindfulness in a way that made sense for us. Uh, also, in my personal experience, things like be present, stay in the moment, feel your feelings mean absolutely nothing to me, especially as an autistic person. I've been in and out of counseling for years, and the techniques they would try and teach would just go right over my head. Uh, but with my program, I've taken all of these different techniques and combined them with my background in psychology, plus all of this new knowledge about being neurodivergent, and I've put them into terms that I hope are easier for us to actually use. Um, like you, I discovered my neurodivergence later in life, and actually last August was when I finally realized that I had spent the last 29 years as an undiagnosed HD autistic. Um, I like to compare it to getting glasses for the first time. We hear people say that they put them on and suddenly they realize, oh, the trees have leaves on them. Like there's all these small, beautiful details in the world that they weren't able to see and didn't even know were there. That was what it was like for me to learn about my brain. There's all this wonderful stuff going on up there that I've only been able to learn about because of people like you on TikTok sharing their experiences as a neurodivergent person. Um, And this is actually the third time in my life that I've sort of found myself in a community that I had never thought I'd have the privilege of being a part of, Um, because up until I was 20, I thought that I was straight, cisgender, neurotypical, completely average person. Um, But then when I was 20, I realized that I was bisexual and started coming out to my friends. Suddenly I was part of the queer community. Before that, I was just a really, really enthusiastic ally. Uh, A few years later, I realized I was non-binary, and that was when I began using they pronouns as well as she, and boom, now I'm in the trans community. Now, almost a decade later, I found this amazing neurodivergent community, which incidentally, a lot of my LGBT friends and my neurodivergent friends are one and the same. A few months ago, I found the term autogender, and then I made my own video about it on my TikTok, and someone else told me about neuroqueer. Both of those terms define my gender and sexuality to a T. 
Yeah. All of that is so amazing. It's, it's always wonderful to hear about other people's experience and how they came to the neurodivergent community and how it's impacted them and made them feel, I don't know, more whole, I suppose. At least I know that's how it makes me feel. Like I feel Mm -hmm. connected to other human beings who understand me. Yes, exactly. So today I think we're going to jump right into autogender and neuroqueer and what these words mean and how um, they apply to us neurodivergent folks. So how would you define autogender and how would you define neuroqueer? That is such a great question. I actually did some research into the terms before we spoke and I would love to get into what I learned about them. Before we do that, though, I would like to back up and first explain Mm -hmm. to your listeners the difference between gender and sexuality. Oh, please do. A person's gender is part of who they are. It's what they identify as. So someone born with a penis is is assigned male at birth. And if you have a vulva, you're assigned female. If you continue to be comfortable with that identity as you grow, you are a cisgender person. If you identify as a different gender than the one you were assigned at birth, you are trans or non-binary. Your sexual orientation is who you are attracted to. So straight people are attracted to the opposite gender. Gay and lesbian people are attracted to the same gender. Bisexuals or pansexuals are attracted to multiple genders. Asexual people are attracted to none. There's a lot more to it than that, but those are the basics. Sure, yeah. And now, um, as I mentioned before, these terms autogender and neuroqueer are newer to me as well. Even being in the LGBT community for as long as I have, I didn't hear about them until just a few months ago. And when I researched these terms, I was surprised to learn that they were actually invented within the last 15 years or so. Wow. So autogender was actually created around August 25th, I found, which happens to be my birthday. So that's very exciting for me. Um, Cool. In 2014, two Tumblr users were discussing how their autism directly affects their gender. So the definition of autogender is when a person's autism directly and greatly impacts their perception of their own gender. Gender is a social construct which means that the rules about it were invented by the people who live in whatever culture or society that they're in. They're made up, essentially. Autistic people and neurodivergent people in general have a hard time accepting social constructs, especially when they don't make sense to us. So someone who is autogender, like me, will have a concept of their own gender that isn't necessarily based in those social constructs. This is something that's going to look different for everyone. Um, For me, I do feel an internal sense of gender, but I don't necessarily define anything that I do by my gender. So for example, my wardrobe is very broad. I have a combination of both masculine and feminine clothes. And I usually base my outfits on what I'm feeling that day rather than how I want to look. Something else that can affect someone's gender presentation is sensory needs. A lot of autistic people prefer loose, flowing clothes that don't cling to their body and are very comfortable and easy to move in. Skirts are great for that. I'm sort of the opposite in that I've always preferred tighter clothes. I am what they call a socks on always neurodivergent. 
<laughs> so something that I have noticed is that I tend to dress more feminine in warmer weather and more masculine in colder weather. This goes back to sensory needs again. So I have temperature regulation issues. And so I get overheated very easily in the summer. So I'll usually wear a light flowy skirt or dress just to keep myself from dripping sweat all day. But on the other hand, in the winter, I can't stay warm unless I'm wearing at least two layers. So it's usually knee socks, leggings, jeans, t-shirt, hoodie. It's definitely more of a comfort thing than anything else, which I think is very autistic of me. Yes. <laughs> Neuroqueer, on the other hand, was coined by someone named Nick Walker in a paper that she wrote during grad school in 2008. According to her website, a neuroqueer individual is any individual whose identity, selfhood, gender performance, or neurocognitive style has in some way been shaped by their neurodivergence. So in other words, it's similar to autogender, except it also applies to sexual identity as well as gender identity and presentation. And neuroqueer is not exclusive to autistic individuals. So anyone who is both queer and neurodivergent is welcome to use the term neuroqueer. I think that my bisexuality and my neurodivergence are directly intertwined. So this term fits me on all fronts. Again, going back to this idea of social constructs, the idea of heterosexuality as the norm is also a social construct. I've never really liked the idea of doing things just to fit into a box. And if I know there's another option out there, I'm usually interested in it. It's because of that, that I am bisexual. Um, another person's gender identity doesn't matter so much to me as who they are as a person. Um, I have more important boxes to check than that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I choose to use bisexual rather than pansexual for a few reasons. Partly because more people have heard of bisexual, which saves me some breath when I don't have time to explain more fully. And partly because I'm attracted to different genders in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, the simplest way that I've found to describe this is that my attraction to women and feminine non-binary people is more like, ah, but my attraction to men and masculine non-binary people is more like, ooh. <laughs> and my attraction to androgynous and gender fluid people is like, oh, yeah, I, I love that description. I love that explanation so much. I think so many, um, so many people are going to relate to that. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> And thank you so much for doing that research. That's amazing. Um, if you can send me those articles, I'm just going to put them in the show notes. So if anybody yes. listening, if you're like, I need to read the information directly, um, I completely understand that impulse. I get to be the same way. Um, and so we will put those in the show notes for you. Um, okay. So my next question for you is how has being autogender and neuroqueer affected your relationship both with yourself and with others? So a big part of being autistic is literal thinking, right? We tend to take everything at face value. For me, uh, when I was growing up, that meant that whatever I was told by society, friends, family about a concept was what I accepted as truth, even if it was about me. I was raised in a very small town in central New York. It's about 96% white. 
lower middle class, suburban area, girls liked boys, boys liked girls, and anything else was very unusual. On top of that, I was in school in the 90s and the early 100s, early 2000s, which um, things have changed a lot since then. But a major reason why I didn't realize I was even bisexual until I was 20 was because I had grown up around the toxic idea that bisexual people were just overly sexual, went around dating everyone, were cheaters, all that terrible nonsense that I have now uninternalized and then some. And then it wasn't until I was in college away from all of that, that I finally learned what it actually meant to be bisexual. It turns out that girl crush doesn't literally mean that you have a real crush on the girl. Um, and that's just one example of how my black and white thinking has sort of hindered me from learning about even my own self. I think a lot of queer people will be able to relate to this, but even aside from being autistic, a lot of us are taught that being gay is bad. And so we have all of that internalized homophobia and transphobia that we have to work through before we can even start coming out to our, ourselves, let alone everyone else. I've had conversations with some of my other neuroqueer friends about this dichotomy between being LGBT and being neurodivergent. It's been especially interesting for me because on top of not being able to fully accept my sexual orientation until I was in my 20s, I also didn't learn what non-binary was until a few years after that. So I kind of have three different coming out stories separated by a few years each. Learning that I am HD autistic and telling my loved ones has felt so similar to when I was first coming out about being bisexual and then later non-binary. Each time I've learned this new and exciting thing about myself and it's like, I'm not sure if you ever watched Chalk Zone, but it's kind of like finding that like portal into Chalk Zone, like going back <laughs> to what I was saying before about communities. I found all this all these great people and books and articles about concepts that I didn't even know existed. And it was so great. Um, I also gained and lost a friend or two with each new discovery as well. Uh, I think that's more just a part of the human experience because the more I've learned about myself, the more people I talk to, the more accepting I am of my true self. And in the end, the relationships that grow or survive are the ones that are worth keeping. And you just, as hokey as it sounds, you have to let the others go, um, learn whatever lessons you need to and move on. Yeah, I think, thank you for that. Because I think so often we see um, those relationships that don't work out as like failures, I suppose, in a certain way, or, or we mm -hmm. demonize the other person, which, you know, sometimes is fair if they're acting demonic, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's nice. It's nice to also think of it as like, this is the human experience. You know, we gain friends, we lose friends, we grow as people. And if you're going to grow and become your own person, then your environment is going to have to shift as well. And I think that's mm -hmm. really beautiful. Mm. Right. Exactly. Um, so how have other people been speaking of that? I know you said you've gained some friends, lost some friends, but have people generally been accepting of your identities? I know 
in my experience, um, if I were to say something like autogender or neuroqueer, I know a lot of people who would roll their eyes um, and just be very dismissive. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that's not your experience, but I'm worried that it is. <laughs> um, so the people that matter to me, yes, they have been accepting. Um, so I haven't used the terms autogender and neuroqueer in real life um, quite yet. So I'm not really sure. I'm, I imagine I would have to explain what they mean to others. Um, but when I realized I was bisexual, I was actually in what I now know was an emotionally abusive relationship. Um, my boyfriend at the time was not accepting of this at all. Uh, lucky for me, his reaction to my sexual orientation was the first step to me realizing that he wasn't worth my time or energy, and I was able to leave him a few months after that. Um, but I can honestly say that that is the most negative response I've had to someone finding out that I'm queer or even non-binary. My family accepts me for who I am. Um, they've welcomed my current partner into our family with loving arms. And I'm not the only queer person in my family either. We're actually a pretty colorful bunch. I use she, they pronouns throughout my uh, next couple of college degrees. And I was fortunate enough to have those be respected by all of the professors I had during school. Um, I was in pride club and I did a few LGBT panels during that time as well for classes and other events on campus. And those were all very, um, accepted very well. Um, the coworkers that I've had have always been accepting. Um, I know this largely has to do with the privilege that I have as a white, thin, conventionally attractive person. Uh, my oddities tend to be written off as quirky rather than offensive. And I, I recognize that. And I try and use that privilege for as much good as I can. But it also has to do with the fact that even growing up, I never paid it more attention to the haters than I could help. I've always had this sense of I'm going to do what I want. And as long as I'm not hurting anybody, that's fine. Couple that with the tunnel vision that I sometimes get. And I just don't really give my energy to the people who don't accept me for me. I don't see them um, as an autistic person. It's pretty easy to separate yourself from an experience and look at things objectively, almost to a fault at times. Um, so if someone doesn't like what I do, I just stop interacting with them. I know it sounds so corny, but it's true. Those who mind don't matter and those who matter won't mind. I love that quote. I love that quote so much. So I'm glad that you brought it up. <laughs> um, yeah, such a useful reminder that the people who, um, the people who judge us, the people who don't like us for being who we are, are just not people we need in our lives. So yeah, agreed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. I think that's all of my questions. The last thing I want to ask you is just if someone's listening to this right now and they're like, oh my God, am I on a gender? Am I neuroqueer? Like, oh no, I have another awakening coming. Like I thought I was done. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, if someone's listening and this is resonating, basically, what is one thing you want them to come away knowing? That it is okay if you aren't able to pin down a label for yourself right now. 
there are so many terms out there more than even I can keep up with. And I have hyperlexia. There's a (laughs) word for almost every fathomable sexual orientation and gender identity that there is. I think I've said at least eight, maybe 10 different terms during this podcast alone. Um, It can be very overwhelming trying to just choose one. So if you find yourself thinking, could I be blank? No matter if it's Could I be gay? Am I bisexual? Am I autistic? The best advice I ever got is that if you're considering a new part of your identity, start living as safely and as comfortably as you can, as if you were that identity. That is allowed. If you think that you might be into girls when you didn't think so before, imagine yourself in a scenario where that were true. If you're thinking you're, you might be autistic or ADHD or OCD or whatever, just start accommodating yourself as if you were that neurotype. That was honestly a major deciding factor when I was figuring out whether or not I was autistic. It's funny now that there was ever even a doubt because the more I learn about myself, the more I'm like, Jess, my girl, my dude, how did you not know this? (laughs) (laughs) I heard that advice. And I went and I bought a bunch of fidget toys and started letting myself stim more. And almost right away, I noticed a drop in my anxiety. I was less tired at the end of the day. And I could suddenly think so much more clearly when those sensory needs were being met. And the same goes for being neuroqueer, autogender, gay, bi, trans, non-binary, whatever. If you're thinking about experimenting with your gender, It can be as simple as go to a thrift store and find an item that you think might be gender affirming for you. If you're comfortable doing so, wear it in a safe place. And if you experience something called gender euphoria, you might just be more queer than you thought. And there is always more room in the family for more of us. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yes. I think that's a wonderful note to end on. I have absolutely nothing to add all of that. If you need to go back and rewind and just listen to Jess say that again and again, um, go for it. Just take what you need from today. Um, yeah. So thank, just thank you so much for being on the podcast, Jess. I so appreciate your insight. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to hear that this was a topic that you were interested in talking about. It's something I've been wanting to talk about for such a long time. Um, So thank you so much for listening. And yeah, it was so great to be here. All right. I will see you, or I guess you all will hear me uh, next Saturday. Okay. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts, and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.